0: Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcast. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. Good morning, guys. Um, first, I need to—I should apologize. Uh, Tim, our guest worship leader, he did not ask for the strobe light effect. That was me. Because I got to go to the Coldplay concert Thursday night, and I just really enjoyed all the strobe lights there. So I thought, how fun that would be in church. I do appreciate, though, man, that was a lot of patience. I mean, man, that would be distracting, it seems like, being on stage and all of a sudden. Bam, 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 bam. Anyway. <clears throat> um, all right, so this morning, we are picking back up with Galatians. We're going to be in Galatians 3. So if you brought your Bible or your phone, wherever you keep your Bible, uh, Galatians 3 is where we're going to go. And this morning, I titled my sermon, Law versus Promise. Um, have you guys ever had one of those people in your lives that tends to repeat themselves and they maybe are rather redundant and they kind of just say the same thing over and over and you're like, this could have been a much shorter conversation if, if we just kind of got cut to the chase. Now, I, I mean, I, I have moments where I'm social, I'm also at times an introvert, so, but like there was a guy that I had at work at my, one of my jobs who he could not wrap up a conversation no matter what it's like he just felt like we had to keep going and I, my office was not in the same hallway it was around the corner and there were times I'm like okay well thanks I appreciate it like I, I would avoid asking my question sometimes just because of this but I'd go in I'd ask him a question and he's like yeah well you know we could do this and I was like that's true we could do that thank you And he's like or oh, so I step back in the doorway and he and he and I try not to you know Show my emotions too much that I'm annoyed that he just keeps rambling, but he's redundant. I would be down the office sometimes all the way out, and I'm like, all right, see you later, dude. And he's still talking. And what's funny was he knew it. He knew he was that kind of person. Hopefully, you don't have too many of those in your life. Maybe you're the person that's like that. I know I've had moments where I've been like that, but I've been working on keeping my stories shorter. Um, all right, so uh, this morning's section of scripture, Galatians 3, is kind of, it seems like Paul was feeling that way a little bit because he's got a big section on law and faith and then another section on law and the promise and in the promise thing he talks a lot about faith and in the faith thing he still talks about promise and so it's like okay is this just 20 something verses that says one thing and so when we were going through Galatians together as a a preaching team this one landed for me and I was like all right I'll take that I'll tackle it and I start reading it and I'm like he's just kind of saying a lot of the same stuff it feels like As I read over and over it though, I started to feel more like I was finding nuances, subtle differences in what was going on, and I felt like a scripture that I would have not originally been thrilled to preach, I'm very excited this morning because this Galatians 3 has some pretty cool stuff in it. Uh, So we're going to start, we're going to take, well first of all I want to say that Paul takes several verses in Galatians 3 to explain this, the difference between the law and faith and law and promise. And so we're going to start in Galatians 3 verses 1 through 3. So I use a couple of different versions here of the, of the Bible. Typically NIV is my favorite because that's, you know, it was, that's what God intended us to have, I believe. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> when I was a little kid, I was raised, my parents, we always had the NIV. And then we always had friends who were like, King James Version. It was good enough for Paul. It's good enough for me. Even though King James Version is like 1,500 years after Paul. But All right, anyway. Verses 1 through 3, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Emphasis mine there, faith. Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? So I feel like, okay, when Paul's writing this, to me, he seems like he's under. Ho- I, know, I know he's under house arrest, and he seems like he's maybe doesn't have time to mince words. At first, this is how it starts. Um, I don't know if you guys ever watched the show *Goldbergs*. The *Goldbergs* is one of my favorites. It's got all these flashback things to the 80s, so it really relates a lot to me, like when I was growing up. And one of the things I found most enjoyable was the dad, Murray, always called his kids one thing: morons. He's like, ah, oh, you morons, this, uh, this, when I look at this, I feel like Paul is starting out like, hey, dummies, who tricked you? And then as he, he's like, before your own eyes, you saw Jesus crucified. And then he's like, you know what, I got just one question for you. You've probably heard that kind of tone before. I've got one question. Did you believe by the law or did you believe by what you heard? And so he's just coming at them with like, man, this is just such foolishness. What is going on with you guys? He seems to me impatient. I can... I can relate to that. I would assume maybe you can too sometimes. So then he goes into, are you so foolish after beginning by means of the spirit, you now want to finish by means of the flesh? That was a verse that really jumped out at me because it's the idea of like, if you're going to start something by the spirit, you believe in God. You're like, God has given me this. God has called me to this. And then as I'm trudging through whatever I'm trying to do, you know what? I got this, God. I'll do it on my own now. Who thinks that way? To me, some prime examples that I came up with. If you start in the, in the spirit and try to finish in the flesh, the worst one I could think of, the most heartbreaking one for me, was last year's playoffs with the Chiefs versus the Bengals. They started off by the spirit. <laughs> they were running and gunning, and they were winning and we were pulling away. Same thing happened to us actually in both Bengals games. And then in the second half, for some reason, we decided we're gonna do it different and when we decided to do it different everything fell apart another example that's maybe more close to home to you guys would be the cardinal season as a whole (laughs) (laughs) started off awesome everybody's like man cardinals are super bowl bound and then kinda didn't work out that way towards the end the second half of the season seemed to be kinda falling apart so as I went through this and I'm thinking about this section of scripture that verse jumped out at me the most so it brought me to this point, and that is to put your faith in God from start to finish. The scripture is very clear when it tells us, you put your faith in God from start to finish. If you're trusting God to save you from your sins, then don't try to save yourself later. Don't, don't accept, expect God to forgive you for all your past sins, but I'm going to do it perfect from here on out, God, because we're not going to. Because he's going into the section here with law and faith, and he's like, you started out by faith. You counted on God to forgive you for everything you had done, but now you're thinking, I'm going to do it perfect from here on out. That's not how it works. Unfortunately, the scripture is real clear that none of us are fully capable of doing that and living that perfect life. All right, so we're going to keep moving into the scripture here. Sorry, I got thick paper. All right, next section of, of verses. We're going to go to, oh, well, it's just one verse, actually. We're going to go to Galatians 5. Does God supply you with the Spirit, and I'm gonna emphasize here, and works of miracles among you through your own efforts or through believing what you heard? So when God brings miracles in our lives, this morning, um, we, before church, a lot of times we'll come together, every Sunday we come together and we kinda pray over, over the, the congregation, over you guys that are coming in, over the children, over the youth, and we just pray that it's a, a Sunday that brings God's glory uh, to, to his people and so as we were praying today we were talking about miracles and I thought again about how this was in my 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 message today God does miracles all the time God does miracles here in the United States he does miracles all around the world and unfortunately I feel like we get gypped here in the United States and we see them less I have friends who have been on these missions trips I've been on trips And you hear about these like crazy, amazing, miraculous things that have happened often in like third world countries and stuff. And then we're like, well, how come I don't see that here? How come I don't see someone automatically, you know, cured of some ailment here or whatever it is? And I think part of the problem with American society is we, we know everything, right? (laughs) I think as Americans, we often get to the point where we think like, I can explain everything. Science helps me understand anything. And the truth is we sometimes have to be willing to just accept that God does miracles and we don't have to figure out how to explain it. Um, it says in, in verse nine, it says, it's not going to be up there, but I'll read it. So those who rely on faith are blessed am- along with Abraham, the man of faith. There are miracles that happen around us that can be explained, but you could also still say they're miracles. I can tell you of one very personal to me, changed my entire life. Uh, one of my children. We, all three of my kids, you know, they're all adopted through foster care. And, I, and we have been blessed with three amazing kids. Uh, one of them, the mom, the biological mom was trying to change kind of some, trying to move, move her away from us. She wanted her in a different home. And so she actually showed up. They had this whole meeting. We weren't even a part of it. We didn't know what had happened. There was this meeting to transfer placement. And everybody was there. They had all the paperwork. They went to sign all the documents. Mom did not have her ID on her sorry mom we can't do that and so everything fell through right there and so if the mom had remembered to bring her ID that day my family would be a family of four not a family of five and so for me and I know that 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 daughter for me she her life would be completely different and so I feel like that's a miracle for me can we explain it of course the mom was forgetful or maybe she thought it was in her wallet, or whatever There's a way to explain it, but to me, that's a miracle. That is God protecting her future and my family. Amen? Thank you. I know I don't have as many, like, spunky stories, but I've got more coming, don't worry. All right. So as I'm reading through this and I'm thinking about miracles, miracles require something. They require faith. You can't have miracles if you don't have faith. So the verse talks about... God supplies you with the spirit and works of miracles among you through the believing through the faith so the mes- the point that I get from this is that we have to see God's miracles for what they are we have to see them for what they are we can't just try to explain everything away or write it off as well this is why that happened no it happened because God made it happen God intervened in our lives and he does that every day he does it in very common ways I feel like and so sometimes we dismiss it but we have to start recognizing the common ways that God gets plugged into our lives and realize how blessed we are because of it. All right, moving forward. We're going to verse 6. No, take that back. Slide (laughs) 6. Verse uh, 10, 10 and 11. I'll read it from up here. For all who rely on the works of the law, they're under a curse. This is the scary section. This is the scariest part of the message. Normally we don't talk about scary in sermons, but this is legit scary to me. For all who rely on the works of law are under a curse. It is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the the righteous will live by faith. We have to come to this understanding that the law equals death. No matter what. That's what it means. And the law was given to us, believers. But it equals death because there's no way that we can do everything that's written in the law. It's not about how how much you have sinned. When it comes to salvation, this is is what I think is kind of a hard truth for people to come to. And honestly, I think this would be a a very exciting and challenging way to try to bring the truth of scripture to a non-believer. The law equals death, we're all gonna die. And by die, that means we're all gonna go to hell. But it doesn't matter, like, because Christians think, Or non-Christians, I'm sorry, people who who maybe, or maybe even some Christians still believe, like, it depends on how good you are. Well, they're a good person. Or, well, I'm better than that guy. Well, I've never murdered anybody. It's like, yes, there's all kinds of different levels of sin that we may or may not commit. And our salvation has zero to do with that. Because have you ever lied? I would ask everybody to raise their hands. Actually, let's do this. If you've lied, keep your hands down. Yes, we've all done that. I won't ask if you've ever killed anybody. <laughs> but there's all kinds of levels of sin that we've, we have broken. We've all broken and compromised our own conscience, what we know is right and true. And if we break those laws, then we violate it right there. You cannot continue to do everything written in the book of the law. We have to think of it from the standpoint of a perfect God. A perfect God can't have... A person with him with one sin he's perfect like absolutely, like, you, can't have, you can't be like a liar who's lied a couple times and then you also hang out with God, that doesn't work there has to be some sort of um, cleansing that takes place and that of course comes from Jesus um, so let me get back to my notes here because I'm, I'm starting to kind of ramble and I feel like I'm I'm not hitting it there are millions of law abiding selfless, warm hearted people Who will not be in heaven because it's not about how good they are so it begs the same question that paul asked in another section of scripture who can save us who can save us from this body of death who can save us from this law that's going to condemn us from death only one name can and we all know that name is jesus we have to start to remember that it's interesting as i was as I was pouring this over, and 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 like I said, it started out kind of dry. It, what's the next? Can you pop up the next slide? Salvation comes in Christ alone. In Christ alone. When I started working on this two weeks ago, we had already discussed as a preaching team that the theme of this section of Scripture, the theme of Galatians, is in Christ alone. And then I'm reading about faith and the promise and whatnot, and the the idea. The whole section in verses 15 through 24, 21, is where Paul talks about how Jesus is the promise. God told Abraham, the whole world is gonna be blessed because of your seed and that seed was Jesus and he blessed the Jews, the Gentiles, all of us, the whole world is blessed through him. Jesus is in person, in flesh, he is the living promise. That was made to Abraham so that's why faith and promise they go hand in hand we have faith in Jesus right now the law for us is merely a guide of how to please God of how to live the way we should live it's not necessarily the thing that gets us into heaven it's just a guide but I just found it so cool that for me it was kind of this epiphany moment that it is about Christ alone because I had forgotten completely about that theme as I was going through this. And I'm like, wait a second, right here it says it again. Christ alone. All right, so we're going to move ahead a little bit now. Uh, Galatians 18. Church leaders, well, let's, let's read this. For the, if the inheritance depends on the law, then it lo, no longer depends on promise. So if our promise of heaven, if our getting to heaven, if our salvation, all the blessings that God gives us depends on the law, then it has nothing to do with the promise. It has nothing to do with Jesus anymore. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Thank the Lord because none of us are actually fulfilling what's in the law. So I'm going to go on a little bit of a side note here with this idea. Church leaders will often talk about the idea how relationship is more important than religion. And they are completely correct. When Jesus came to this earth, and even in the Old Testament with God and Abraham and Moses and Jacob, it's about relationship. And God wants, Jesus wants, God, Jesus, same thing. They wanna have a relationship with you. There's no one in the way. It's just you and them. But unfortunately, I feel like sometimes church leaders discount religion, and I'm not saying that's happened here, but I know a lot of times we'll talk about the idea like, I don't, I don't, I don't want religion, I want relationship. Well, sometimes, though, we need religion, too. And I'm gonna explain why. Uh, Religion's not a bad thing. Think of it like this, a gift versus a paycheck. So we like both, right? (laughs) If we're being honest, we like both. Uh, Paychecks come with regularity. There's typically no surprise to them, and they come for the labor that we do. I would equate that, like, with religion. We do the right thing, we do what we're supposed to do we, do, we follow examples that God has given us through the scripture and there is reward for that. But then there's gifts that come from God that have nothing to do with what we're doing. It's just because God loves us and he wants to give us a gift. When I was in college, my senior year, my senior year of college, I, I worked at an orthodontist. Not that you could tell, I don't smile real big. But I worked at an orthodontist office and he was only open three and a half days a week. Monday, Tuesday, like a half day, Wednesday, I don't know, it was a weird schedule. And it's because he owned a farm. So this is in Missouri, Joplin, Missouri. And I'm just a struggling high, high school, college student, and I'm working for him those three and a half days. He's paying me good, it's all fine. And he's like, hey, would you like to come work out on my farm? I'll pay us, I'll, I'll, you, come out there, I'll, I'll take care of you. Okay. We did not work out a wage. Now, this is still like a paycheck, but to me it felt more like a gift because there was going to be a surprise. Didn't know how much I was going to get paid. <laughs> but I go out onto this farm, and he had this beautiful farm, like this big acreage on a hill, and then it had like a steep drop-off, and there was a lower meadow and stuff, and he had all these cattle and such. And at one point, while I'm there, he's like, Tony, I need you, we got, a, we got these four cows or whatever that got loose, I need you to help us get them back. And I'm like, Cows? I'm a city boy. (laughs) I grew up in Southern California. I would see cows on vacation on the side of the road when we were driving by, and I was like, look, cows. That was was it. That was the closest. And he's like, no, I need you to help me get these cows back corralled out of this little fenced area. And I'm like, all right, what am I going to do that with? And he's just like, you. so I'm like, okay. So he sends me around this little barn and I, I come around this turn because this cow was making a run for it. And I come around this turn and then there's a cow and me and we just like face off and there's nothing in between us. I'm starting to feel freaked out because again, I'm a city boy. I'm like, I just, I've seen lots of movies. Is this thing gonna eat me? Is it gonna stomp on me? I don't know what this thing's gonna do. And so I stop there and then I'm like, all I can do is think like, you know, they tell you with, is it with bears you're supposed to try to be big? I don't know so the cows in front of me and I'm like and I try I try to be as big as I can and then of course he doesn't like that so he turns and he starts to go the other way and I'm like it works he st- and, and so I'm like running behind it and I'm clapping and I'm trying to startle it and get it moving I feel like I, I should be on Yellowstone next season <laughs> I'm just kidding um, but I'm like, I'm, I'm facing off with this thing, and in my mind, I'm like, i got to get it out of here. And so I, was, I felt so triumphant and successful that I was able to kind of get these cows moved. Then he's like, sends me in to uh, take apart this, this uh, I don't know, it's like a trailer thing that's all made of wood. It's just a bunch of junk, and, and I'm doing that, and of course, I step on a rusty nail. So all the work stops, and he's like, oh, when's your last tetanus shot? And he's driving me to the doctor, and he's paying for my tetanus shot and all this stuff. And so... Here I am very out of my element, just trying to do some work for this dentist that I worked for because I really liked this guy. And he told me he'd pay me, but I didn't know what, and he paid me really well. Maybe because I stabbed my foot on a nail, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But the surprise of that, of like what he paid me, it was much richer because it felt like a gift. I knew I was working for him, but the amount that he paid me did not feel like a wage. It felt like a gift. And the truth is, when it comes to doing the right thing and like looking at scripture and seeing this idea of religion, we have to understand that sometimes the paycheck is still really important. It's really important that we do what's right. So uh, this morning, my son did not wanna come to church early with me. Am I right, Joel? Yeah, he was a little bothered by that. And I said, I want some extra time with you. And that didn't work. (laughs) He, he tells me that a lot. He's like, he's like, Dad, can we go to the batting cages? I want extra time with you. <laughs> that kind of stuff. And so this morning I was like, I want you to come to church with me. I want some extra time with you. And he still was like, but no, I don't want to. I want to play on my phone or whatever it was. But I stuck to it. I leaned in. I don't know, uh, Lloyd used to preach about that concept. When your kids pull away from you, you lean in. When, when they're pulling away from you you don't pull back yourself because then you're creating a chasm the same is true with the scripture and with how we handle our relationship with God if we're not feeling that emotional closeness to God do you know what helps with that religion doing what we're supposed to do so we've talked about like a communion time communion should be a very rich time in our lives We're thinking about God's sacrifice we're thinking about the people in our lives that are close to us and if we have sin or conflict with them maybe but and so we've often talked about how you know we don't want this to just be a ritual and we don't want things to just be rituals however rituals are better than not doing them (laughs) Um, my wife she and I've talked a lot about uh, love and our marriage and our love languages my love language is gift-giving her love language is gift-getting so it works out great. I'm just, she, I mean, that's not, her love language is time, but she doesn't, she doesn't complain that I buy her gifts. Um, when there are times in our marriage that I maybe don't feel as lovey-dovey, not necessarily like that we've had a fight or I'm angry or like that, but the emotion of it is just not the same you know how like you got the honeymoon stage you got those times when you're all Twitter pitted inside and then there's other times in your marriage where it feels like a partnership and you're doing your jobs and that's kind of how it goes and you have gotta get stuff done if I wanted to feel that Twitter pated lovey-dovey emotional feeling in my heart I do the things that we used to do I send her flowers I swing by one of her favorite stores to buy her a shirt surprise her with the shirt in the morning um, or I'll just on my way into work I'll go get her a coffee and bring it in without her knowing I do things for her and my heart follows my actions your heart will follow your actions when you do the right things for the Lord so if you don't feel all emotional or like you're really close to the Lord and it's communion time by all means Give that communion time to God do the right thing there when you do the right thing your heart follows I wrote it for myself on here God wants my heart to be his and like his and my heart will follow my actions so the last slide for me was regardless of what you're feeling lean in always lean in it's been a mantra for Jen and I ever since we heard Lloyd preach that years ago that with our kids we lean in we need to do the same thing with the Lord. If you don't feel it today, lean in. If you do feel it, it obviously comes natural. You're gonna lean in anyway. But I want you to know that your actions follow your heart. So if you have, or I'm sorry, I got that backwards. Your heart will follow your actions. So if you take the time to make the actions right, your heart will be right. Band, if you wanna come up, I'm gonna pray. God, I pray your blessing on the people here today, Lord. I pray that this church would come to understand how important it is that our heart, our heart be yours. I don't know how many times I've said it, Lord, when I've had the chance to preach that you want my heart to be like your heart. That, that's just what it is. When we pray, you want us to align our will with yours. When we focus on, uh, on you, you want us to align our perspective on life to be the same as yours. And God, you want our heart to be the same as yours. Lord, I don't know how else to put it other than You are the only way that we're gonna get out of here. You're the only escape from this this law of death, from this this fear of of an afterlife that is absent from you. God, I pray for rich blessing on the people in this church, Lord. I pray that they feel a new desire today to lean in. God, I pray for everyone here this morning. I pray, God, that they would lean into you today as we sing one more song Lord, I pray that they would lean in with their hearts as they go home today, as they go through their week and it's the last week of school for a lot of students Lord, I know there's all kinds of distractions in our lives Lord, but just like this sermon helped me this last week, keep my focus on you God, I pray that throughout the week, we find ways to keep our focus on you and that we'd lean in every morning and every night. God, I pray your blessing on your people and I pray this in the name the only name that matters is the name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, let's just pursue Him today. Christ alone. guide our hearts into a deeper love of you, God. Would you shape our hearts and our actions? May we know you more, God. And as we pray for a deeper knowledge of you, we pray that you would come into our hearts and begin to soften them and shape them.